Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost and for the anointing. With it, we can do all things. Without it, we can do nothing. We thank you for that precious anointing. We thank you for good hearts, the soil of our hearts, Father, to be open to the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Let it come into us and germinate and bring forth fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. Thank you for utterance. Thank you to make it easy to listen and easy to understand and easy to deliver. In Jesus' precious name, what an honor and a privilege it is to stand in the ministry, to stand behind this pulpit, to stand amongst this company of high-quality believers and ministers. What a tremendous privilege, Father. And I thank you for your anointing that makes all the difference today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. The Lord, uh, I said, went back to the hotel room. I said, Lord, I have no idea what to minister on. And he said, well, he answered me and he said, well, your, your, your pastor has taught you, meaning Pastor Nancy, if he does, if I don't speak differently, then just share, talk about what I'm dealing with you about. Because what I'm dealing with you about is what the anointing is bubbling in your life about at that moment. So he said, I want you to talk a little bit about Nehemiah, which we'll turn in a second. But then, uh, I, I, so I was looking at my notes and reviewing them again. And then I had an unusual experience of the Lord, the presence of God came in that hotel room in a, in a tangible and unusual way and ended up getting to bed pretty late, kind of like what Pastor said the night before. And, uh, and he said, but I, I want to add something to your message and I want, you to, I want you to say something. And he said, because I've given you that platform to say it and I want you to say it. And I want you to say it just the way I'm talking to you. And so I want to share some of those things. And I don't think I've ever experienced this before, but as I went to bed, he said, in the morning, I want you to say that. And it's like the anointing was hovering over the bed. I've never experienced that in my life before. But I went to sleep. I could feel the anointing hovering above me. I don't, I don't know how to explain that or describe that. When I woke up, that anointing was still there. And what I heard the Lord say to me, in, ad- in addition to the main part of the message, what I heard him say to me, and I really believe that this is a mandate for me to say this. Because I heard him, he reminded me and he said, he said these words to me. He said, you're important to me, Craig. You're important to me and your church is important in Toronto for what I'm trying to do in that city. And he reminded me, Dr. Dufresne, when he came, I remember the exact date. It was, it was in 2010, June the 28th. He had an open vision. He saw a mantle, an anointing coming on our church for our city. He went in the back room with me and he said, he said it publicly, but he also said this privately. He said, God's been endeavoring to do something in this city for a long time, over a hundred years. And people keep getting in his way. And he was sitting on the couch and I was sitting opposite him in the green room and he leaned, I don't know if you knew, if you knew doctor, just watch out. But he leaned, he leaned across to me and he said, and then he yelled at the top of his voice and I can still, my bones are, have not stopped shaking from that day till now. And that was June 28th, 2010. And he said, and don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. God's been endeavoring to do something in this city for over a hundred years and people keep getting in his way. Don't mess it up. And then he gave me some instruction how not to mess it up. And the Lord reminded me of that last night. And he said, I've been endeavoring to do something in your city, but I can't work through every church in your city. You are important. Your church for my plan in that city is important to me. 
And then I heard them say, tell the ministers. Now, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm the least of this company from that perspective. I don't think I'm all that. But I heard him say, he said it to me as I went to sleep. He said it to me this morning. When I, he said, make sure you tell them what I told you to tell them. Amen. And I heard him say, tell the ministers that, that they are so important to me in their cities. I know that sounds so basic and that sounds so, well, what's the big deal? Okay, yeah, we are important. Everybody's important. But when God says it, it's different. It is totally different when he says it that way. And I heard him say, tell them. And I saw, it's like I could see something. You know, we know we each other are valuable, but I could see how important Pastor Hadabar you are in that area of Texas. I could just see there was, there's such a value in Paducah, in, in, in Cedar Rapids, uh, you know, in Colorado and Pastor Reverend Joel with your traveling ministry in Nigeria, in Oklahoma. Uh, I, it, there is such an importance on us as ministers. And it's not that we're, you know, narcissistic or that we're arrogant or that we're proud, but it's really because God can't do things through a lot of churches today. He can't. And he reminded me of this. And I think you all know this maybe better than I do, but not everybody is positioning themselves for this last day move of God. Pastor Nancy said, God told her it would please me if you pray for your husband and for revival. Dad Hagen, if you, you know, you all listen to him, most of us listen to him, but, but he would often say, and he would give scriptures from Hosea and other scriptures about praying for rain. Uh, and from James 5 about praying for rain, about this rain of revival, about God's wanting to do something. And of course, you know, Jesus, when he appeared to him, it's in the I Believe in Visions book, he talked to him about the last great revival. And he said it would be the time of the working of miracles. And he said, up until now, you've seen many healings, but the time, it is now time for the gift of the working of miracles and more miracles will be done and you'll see more that you've never seen before and that even greater than the book of Acts. But he made a statement in that same paragraph and I want to quote it to you so I don't get it wrong. He said, many of my own people will not accept the moving of my spirit. This is Jesus speaking to him and will turn back and not be ready to meet me at my coming. Many will be deceived by false prophets and miracles of satanic origin. We're seeing that more and more in churches. It's astonishing when they get away from the word and spirit, the devil just moves right in and it's under a guise of religiosity, but there is so much demonic and unfleshly and ungodly and everything is about relevance and everything is about to just stroke them right and don't offend them and don't talk about tithing and don't talk about sex before marriage and don't go because what we need is numbers. What we need is money. And then the devil shows up with supernatural power, but the people are so dense, they can't tell the difference between God and the devil. And God can't pour out his spirit in those churches because those churches aren't right. They haven't positioned themselves. And I saw it last night in a different way that I've never seen it before, how important we are, not from a pride perspective, but because of our company, because we have held the standard and the banner and we are being positioned for the last great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And it is so important to God in the cities that we are in. God is looking for churches in every city, but I'm saying he can't find churches in every city. He can't. I was asking some of the pastors, you know, uh, which I thought maybe I was, I was the odd one out because there's not really many people that I can fellowship with where I'm from. And I've tried, but they don't have that spirit of faith and they're changing doctrine and they're moving away the markers where the, where the, where the father set markers. They're moving those markers. 
And the last time, it was a number of years ago, I sat with a group of some of the largest churches in Toronto, and I was just talking in a pastoral lunch, and, and I, was my, I was dumbfounded at what they were saying. We don't talk about tithing anymore. We, 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 don't, we, don't, want, we don't want tongues. Well, that offends our visitors. We don't want this. We don't do healing lines. You know, don't, don't talk about the sexual stuff, because it's just, it's too politically charged. Dad Hagen held the standard and not very many people are holding to that standard. And he said, Jesus said, follow the word of God, the spirit of God and me, and you will not be deceived. I am gathering my own together and preparing them for the time is short. We are very, very important to God in this day. There is not every city in Florida, Pastor Edwin, that God can pour out of his spirit. And I used to think erroneously that in this last great revival, God's just going to pour it out on everybody and everybody's going to be a recipient. And I don't believe that anymore because Jesus talked about having a new wineskin. And Jesus said, not all my people will be ready to meet me because they will reject the Holy Ghost and the flow. How can he pour out of his spirit and his glory in churches that reject the Holy Ghost and reject the flow? He, he just won't. But he'll pour it out on churches that are open and hungry and positioned. And anybody can come, so it's technically it's available to all. But he can't find a place where the, the, we're more concerned about what the Holy Ghost wants. Saul said, the people said, the people said, to please the people. And what did he do? He lost that anointing. And he tore that garment. And Samuel said, the same way you tore it, the same way God has torn it and given it to a man after his own heart. In Acts 3, we see that it says that, that, that David fulfilled the will of God as it was in God's heart, not as it was in his heart or the people's heart. He didn't care what the people thought. He didn't care what, and that's, that's a picture of the Saul church and the David church. Dad Dufresne called it the flesh church and the spirit church, the informational church and the revelational church. There is a difference. And God can't pour out of his spirit in these days on these churches. He won't. It would not be right for him. It would not be right for him to do that when they reject what he's doing. And then he just, now he's going to pour it out, I believe, localized. On certain places, they're going to have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And listen, I know a lot of people say a lot of different things, but if I, you know, who am I to tell you what to do? But I'm just saying, if I were you, I would limit your feeding. I would limit who you listen to. I would limit who you're listening to on the internet because it's astonishing how many ministers want, want all these different types of grass in their diet. What you don't realize is some are going to give you gas. Some are going to poison you and confuse you. And there's, in less than one hand, that's who I listen to. People say, well, you're old school. Maybe there's not an old or a new school. Maybe there's just the school. Maybe we're just people of the spirit that want Dad Hagen, that want Dr. Dufresne, that want Mama. Limit who you're listening to because there'll be a lot of confusion. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of confusion today and God is not going to pour of his spirit on every church. He will not do it, but he is on us. And I don't say that pridefully, yes, but I'm saying that because we are positioning as ministers and as churches and as congregations, we are, we are positioning ourselves. And I heard him say so clearly to me, tell them, tell them how important they are to me. They don't know some of them, how important they are to me because their churches may be small and they may seem like all the other places are, have, have, have eclipsed them in money and numbers. They are important to me because I am gathering my own together and preparing them for the time is short. And Dad Hagen, that was back in the 50s. He said the time is short. The time is shorter. The time is short. 
I'm convinced, Father Ricky, the devil plants churches today. The devil is the best church planter in history. Because if you look at how many candlesticks have not been set. He says there in last verse of Revelation chapter one, he says, I set the candlestick. That's the anointed church. And I put an angel and Dr. Dufresne taught us that was an actual angel and a pastor because the angel can do things the pastor can't and the pastor can do things the angel can't. And every church that's anointed by God has a divine office and has an angel to it. But in chapter two, verse five, he says, beware if you don't live right, if you don't think right, and if you don't preach right, I will come quickly and remove that candlestick. Didn't say I'll give you a long season of mercy. He said, I'd remove the anointing if he even authored it, which half of them, the devil authors, because right. it's the ambition of man and they need a job. God didn't author those churches. And there's a divine strategy from hell to dilute the body of Christ. There shouldn't be so many churches in this area because God hasn't authored all these churches. The devil puts it to dilute and distract so that the word and spirit churches do not have what they need. I'm telling you about it. There should not be thousands of churches in every city. There wasn't in Ephesus. There wasn't in Ephesus. There wasn't, if you read, study the New Testament, there wasn't. I know people say, well, that was then, this is now, it's a different age. And yes, partly that's true, but I'm telling you, God has authored certain places. And it's astonishing how many he hasn't authored. And it's diluting away from the ones that he has authored. We need to pray that the ones that God, the, 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 the churches in this city that he has authored, and he's authored this and he's authored others, but that the ones would hear, the Christians and the believers would hear the spirit of God because he will draw them to these types of churches. He won't draw them to other churches. Why would God send somebody to a church that doesn't preach faith? When he says, what pleases me? Faith. When he says in Luke 18, I'm coming to find faith on the earth. Why would he lead them to a church that prays to Mary? Why would he lead them to a church that don't believe in healing? He just doesn't do that. That shows you how few Christians know how to be led by the spirit because they're not getting to the church where their supply is that is being prepared for the last day outpouring of glory. But we are important to the Holy Ghost because he has raised us up and we have not quit. When I look at Pastor Edwin and Angela, they're like lighthouses to me because for all these decades, they didn't try to get a newfangled doctrine. They didn't, they didn't fall into sin. They didn't change the message. They're still having Holy Ghost services and staying with the word and the spirit. For us younger ministers, we look at them and we go, they can do it, I can do it. Because we are important, I'm I'm telling you, I know you know it, but by the anointing, I'm saying to you ministers, be encouraged, you are important in your city for what God is endeavoring to do in in this age. We are in the last days and he is gathering his own. And listen, not everybody is gonna be ready which means not every church is going to have the glory. And the Lord showed it to me like this, because I just did a, a wedding a little while ago and the, you know, the beautiful, you know, bride comes and you know how they spend like seven hours doing makeup or something, <laughs> right? And they are just immaculate. They are just glowing. Their dress is perfect. Their hair is perfect. Their makeup is perfect. And they come there so that their bridegroom. But what if... She's a hot mess. What if she comes with greasy hair and a couple zits that she didn't take care of? And what if she got a big coffee stain here and her dress is torn there? 
I'm serious. And the Lord said to me, he said, in the end days when I return, some of my bride is going to look like that. And some of my bride is going to look like the bride you saw at that wedding recently. And he said, now listen, this really helped me. He said, I love the bride because of who she is unconditionally. So all of them, ugly or not, are going with me in the rapture. But I am not as pleased with those that come unprepared, with those that come dirty and full of spot and wrinkle. It doesn't please my heart. Although I love him for who she is, she's still the bride and I will still take her. But I'm not, I'm not as pleased with her lack of preparation for my coming. Everybody's going, but not everybody's going to be ready. Some are going to stand ashamed and some are going to stand confident. Some are going to have a robe of a robe of righteousness and some are going to just have a garment of salvation. And some of the larger churches that you think are going to have all the fruit, it's going to go through the fire and you're going to find out what's left. Because if God didn't even author that church, if he didn't even author it, and when he did author it, they got to live right, preach right, think right. Otherwise, he'll take that anointing off them. And then they're just a shell. They might as well close, but they don't because they need a job. So they take people away from the churches that God has authored and that he has anointed. But that's okay. He said, I'm gathering my own. This is a season, I believe, Pastor Edwin, God is gathering. There is going to be an increased gathering into our word and spirit churches. Because he said, I am gathering my own for the time is short. We've got to be, we got to stay word and spirit because we are very important to what God's plan is. We're going to be that bride. I'm serious. Not everybody is. People don't like this preaching because they want everybody to feel good. But if you read Paul, he says, rebuke, correct, reprove, and then exhort. 75% I'm going to slap you. 25% I'm going to love you. So the problem with pastors is they're doing 75% loving you and 25% slapping you. And then they wonder why the congregation is so frail and so fickle and so easily offended and so living carnal. And it's, and we gotta have lots of slapping and little stroking. Lots of slapping, lots of slapping. I heard of a pastor in New York and he is big wig, rich people, big wigs from wall street. And he tells him, you're going to come to my church. The richer you are, the lower you start. He has the CEOs start cleaning the toilets in the bathroom. He said, if you can't handle it, just because you're big wig out there, don't mean you're nothing in here. You're a servant in here. You start small here. I don't care how rich you are. And it's astonishing his church is actually growing. So it shows me that there are people out there that, that, that do want this. I believe, you see, I feel, Lord, I'm the, only le- I'm the only one left. I'm the only one, Lord Jesus. I'm the only one left with a voice in Toronto. And he said to that prophet, Elijah, I got 7,000, boy, that you don't even know about. I got seven. You're not the only one. You just don't know of the rest of them. I know there's lots of others like us. We just don't know all of them, but we are very important to this last day move of God. He is looking for a bride ready. He's looking for a bride without spot and wrinkle. He's looking for a bride that stays with doctrine and that stays with the move of the Holy Ghost. We are word and spirit people. Dad Hagen said that all the time. We are not just faith people. We are word and spirit people. And so I've been doing, like most of us, two services a week for years. And the Lord said to me, if you want to be, if you want to position yourself for the last day move of God, I'm just telling me, I'm not saying he's telling you this. I'm just saying this is what he said to me. He said, you don't have enough flow of the Holy Ghost in your services. 
because your teaching and preaching is so important. Remember? Healing, preaching, teaching, and healing. Acts 10, 38. You're giving them a lot of poles, fishing poles. But I need you to give them some fish once in a while. Right? So he said, if you want a position for the last day move of God, you're going to have to have a service that focuses more on the flow. So we added a third service Sunday night. And every single week it's different. And every single week the gifts and the Holy Ghost is just, and he said to me, I'm just, I'm teaching you, son. I'm teaching you how to flow. I'm teaching the congregation how to receive the moving of my spirit. Because if they don't receive it, they won't be ready at my coming. You see, we, we, we're not just teaching people or preaching people. We're spirit people. And we've got to teach the people how to flow in that. That's why I love these conferences because you never know what's going to happen. One day pastor's teaching and the next, and the next time then another service, there's just prophecies and gifts of the spirit and dancing. And other times there's, there's quiet. There's, there's such a flow and a variety of the pole and the fish. Does that make sense to you? We are very important to the plan of God. We really are. It's not just me saying that. I heard him say, tell them how important they are to me. They are very important because I can't pour my spirit into every church. I'm raising up a group, a remnant group. There's more than you think, but there's still not as many as the other group. But I'm raising up part of the bride that's going to be beautiful and clean and part of the bride's not. We're all going, but not all of us are going to be ready. But this company is going to be ready. And so he dealt with me about that. And then he said, now, remember the tactics of the enemy. Now, he only told me to focus on two of them, so I'm not going to do the rest for sake of time. But if you'd look, please, in the book of Nehemiah with me, I've been de- he's been dealing with me about this. Uh, in the book of Nehemiah chapter 6, we'll start. But I want you to see here, second, just I'll quote it to you, 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices, lest he take an advantage of you. We've we got to know how he operates. Now, I'm not reading it all for sake of time, but, but in, if you want to write, if you want to look at this later, these, this is not exhaustive. He just highlighted two chapters to me in Nehemiah, chapter four, chapter six. We're going to start with chapter six. But I, there's, there's five main tactics of the enemy in these two chapters. If you read it slowly without being in a rush and pay attention to what you're reading, you will see Nehemiah was doing an incredible work for God. He was important in his generation. Yeah. Dad Hagen, like pastor said, he fulfilled the plan of God in his generation. He was important. Yeah. We are important important in this generation. And the devil wants us to think that we're not because maybe we don't have the affluence and the growth and the influence that we feel we should have yet. But we are very important. Congregations that are part of this flow are very important. Congregation of World Harvest, you have no idea how important you are to the plan of God for this city and for this region. Because he cannot pour it out on every church in this region. Because they're not all flowing with the word and the spirit. And that's who he's looking for. You notice he said many of mountain people? He didn't say some or a few. He said many of my, that would imply a majority of my own people won't even be ready. They won't want the, if you look around today, if you look at the churches and you're, I don't know any, listen, there's probably 7,000 I don't know about, but the ones I do, very, very, very few. Very few wanting the move of the Holy Ghost. Very few staying with doctrine. Very few staying straight. Dad, Dad Dufresne held things back. Yes, he, he held things back. He dealt with things in the spirit. He's not here. Dad Hagen held things back. Well, Pastor Nancy is holding things back, whether you realize it or not. These ministers, and not all the big name ministers, 
want the flow of the Holy Ghost. Not all of them, I'm telling you. Not all of the big name ministers stay strong in doctrine. Where do you think the doctrines of devils come from in seducing spirits? They attack the very tops because they have the widest audience, which is why we have to pray for them. We have to pray for them, not judge them, not criticize, pray for them that their voice would remain pure in the body of Christ, that these false doctrines would be, would be recognized and dealt with because God is trying to raise up strong local churches for the outpouring in this last day revival. And I know this is simple and basic, but I heard him say, he came and hovered over that bed and he said, you tell them how important they are to me. They are so important to me. They have no idea how important. God's invested in us. He has poured years. 31 for me preaching from a pulpit, ministry of helps before that. He has put long investment in us because he's trying to get us to a place where before Jesus returns, he has places in every city, ideally, where he says, I'm pouring out of my spirit. Let the sinners watch the glory. Let the sinners watch the arms grow. Let the sinners watch the eyes, eyes come. Let them come. Let that revival come because the king is coming back, but he can't pour it out in carnal bucket churches like the dry riverbed that Dr. Dufresne saw. Oh, look at the glory. And they're not going anywhere and they're breathing in dust. And that is the state of most churches today. Many will not be ready, but there are some that will be ready. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be ready because I'm staying with someone who is going to be ready, who is ready. If you look, for the second time, we won't read it, but if you look at, at chapter 4, verse 1 to 6 for your notes, you'll see one of the strategies of the devil was discouragement. If he can discourage you, he will do his best to mock and discourage you. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of mocking going on for people that believe what we believe. Nehemiah says, God, behold their mockings. There's a lot of people that mock us, but that's part of the tactic of the enemy to get us to change. One of them is discouragement. I won't get it to read it. I, normally I do, but I, I need to focus on other things this morning. Uh, chapter 6, verse 5 to 9 for your notes. There is political pressure. One of the tactics used against Nehemiah is they lied to him, to King Xerxes. And they said he's trying to become a king. And this is treason. Yeah. This is, this is the, he's, he's an insurgent. Yeah. Now, if you were convicted of that, your, your head's gone. Yeah. They tried to threaten him with political pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And that is going to happen. I know in your country, you're much freer than my country. But, but, that, but that is already happening with us. Political pressure. Don't you say that. Really? Don't you say that. Really? There's one of our, our, our political leaders whose main platform is to cancel church's charity status and just a hatred for the gospel. I didn't even know what she looked like. I just knew her, whatever. But in the spirit, I saw this woman when I was praying. And the Lord said, now deal with that evil spirit. She's a good lady, but that evil spirit hates Jesus. And she was running for high office in our, in our area, in our province, in our state. And I, and I got in the, I, you can't do that if you're not in the spirit, but I got in the spirit yeah. because pastor gave me four prophecies in the last four years about which I would never know or think this, but she said four times by the spirit, you have a voice to deal with political things in your nation. Yeah. 
So sometimes, not all the time, I can't make that happen. But when that anointing comes on me, I step into the spirit and I deal with certain things because I have a voice and I'm authorized to do it. And I saw that evil spirit and I said, now you, and the Holy Ghost spoke through me. And he said, now you will fail and fall. Your agenda will come to nothing and you will go into oblivion. And you know what? That's exactly what happened in this last election. Because word and spirit churches affect politics. Not every church can. They have their little picket signs and they do nothing. But people that are of the spirit, they can get in the spirit and we can deal with things. That's it. I don't mean to get off on that, but I'm saying one of the tactics is discouragement. One of the tactics is political pressure. Then there's another tactic I'm not going to get into, but it's in chapter 6, verse 17 to 19, and that is betrayal. If he can get you with betrayal, Jesus faced betrayal. His own buddy, one of his 12, come up and kiss him while he sold him to death. Betrayal, and if you study the ones that, that Nehemiah, some of them that he thought were close to them, were close to him, were secretly going to his enemies, telling his enemies what he was saying, what he was doing, and where his buttons, what buttons to push. And they were then writing letters to Nehemiah to threaten and scare him because his own nobles, his own counsel, betrayed him to his enemies. And if you've been a pastor for anything, any more than a week, you know about betrayal. Because it, it, it sure comes. Especially in COVID. People there for years and years and years. You teach them, teach them, teach them. You teach them, teach them, teach them. And then, then, they, then they're offended because you're not wearing the mask. And they're offended because you are wearing the mask. Then they're offended because you don't do this and you do do that. You don't do that. And then they leave. <laughs> then they lie about you when they leave. Right. Then they spread things about you in the city that aren't even true. Yeah. If he can get you with discouragement... If he can get you with political pressure and if he can get you with betrayal, but we got a war against these things because Nehemiah is doing a great work and he is building something for God in his city. He was preparing for Jesus. The king had to come the first time. Nehemiah was preparing for Jesus' first arrival. We are preparing for his second arrival. I'm telling you. But there's, a, there's something that he said focus on, and so I want you to read chapter 6 and verse 1. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Pastor said, please don't be boring. So, oh my God, I hope I'm not. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I'd build the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I'd not yet set up the doors on, upon the, uh, ga- the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem said unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers, watch now. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work. You got to see your work as great. No matter how big your church is, you're doing a great work because God is gathering and preparing and outpouring in your church. I am doing a great work. So I cannot come down to you. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? This is called distraction. And God's been dealing with me a lot about the tactic of distraction. The enemy wants to pull your attention in every way other than what you're doing in your great work. Pull your attention away for this extracurricular, for this thing, for this other conference, for this other teaching, for this vac- I'm not saying anything is wrong with vacations, you know, hobbies and all that stuff, but it can be a distraction if it takes away from giving yourself to the word and prayer. And this guy says, come on down to Ono. And the way I remember it, because I'm just a simple guy. I'm not highfalutin like you. I'm just a simple guy. And he said, oh, no. 
Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, no. I say, oh, no, to oh, no. I ain't coming down. You're asking me to come down. There's a descent. I, I, I'm up high. I'm doing God's plan. I'm doing a great work. Oh, no, you don't. I'm not coming to you. But a lot of people say amen, but when the rubber meets the road, they're easily distracted. It's easy to say amen in a service. What about after the conference is over Monday morning? Now you've got a thousand things on your to-do list. You've got to learn how to keep staff off you. You've got to learn how to keep people off you. You've got to learn how to keep counseling sessions off you. You do. Because there's a distraction. Spiritual distraction, natural distraction. You can get dis distracted and disorganized and you're not doing what the act says to give yourself to the word and prayer. So there is a major tactic of distraction. And, he, and they said, come now. Stop what you're doing and take a breather. You're tired. We're going to talk to you. And he said, oh, no, you don't. I'm, I'm staying focused. Because my work, I, I hope you're hearing it. My work is great. It's not pride to say your work is great. Because in the realm of the spirit, our works are great. Because God is preparing a people and he's about to pour out of his spirit. And he's looking for churches of the word and the spirit. And there's not that many, believe me, there's not that many around. People think there are, Pastor Dennis, but there's not. I asked some of the ministers, is anybody you can fellowship with? No, nobody, nobody in my city. At least nobody that I know. I'm sure there are, but nobody that I know. That have the same spirit that we have. That have the same flow. That have the same doctrine. We really are a rare breed. You know, the Bible calls us a remnant. We really are. We're a remnant. So there's a, there's a tactic of distraction that we've got to war against. But now the main one here, if you would be so kind to indulge me, is fear. And so I, and there is so much fear. Fear about what the people think. Fear about what the government thinks. Fear about this COVID thing. Fear about that thing. Fear about monkeypox. Soon there's going to be, you know, giraffe pox or something. I don't know. There's, there's always a new pox coming out. Because he said in the United States, there's going to be plagues and wars and rumors of wars. And you see everywhere you look, there's a new plague and there's a new war. Jesus is coming soon. And he's about to pour out of his spirit. I'm not saying it's this year or next year, but I'm telling you, you stay close to the ones, the prophets that see. Amen. You stay close to them because we have to be positioned for this last day move. Amen. I remember a doctor saying, if Jesus were to come back today, I'd say, that was it. Yeah. Remember a doctor would say that? Yeah. That was the big pop. Yeah. Yeah. The miracles that Jesus said that you've never even seen before. Yeah. Greater than the book of Acts. Yeah. In the book of Acts, shadows heal people. Yeah. I, I, we haven't yet seen that in our service. William Branham prophesied that eyes would come back into sockets. He also said that people on, on the television would be translated right on the television and be found in another place as a sign and wonder to the unbeliever. We haven't seen that yet, but we have to see it. God's only going to do that with churches that don't reject the moving of his spirit. He don't do that with people that are, that are carnal buckets. Flesh churches. He's looking for spirit churches. But there is a tactic, I'm telling you, of fear. There is fear. If you, if you put it through the filter of fear, you'd be shocked at how much many decisions you make based on fear. And I want you to read this with me in chapter 6 and verse 1 to, this is chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. Now, Remember, there's five main ones. I'm just talking about these two, distraction and fear. And afterward, it came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of Mahalah, whatever, 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 who was shut up. And he said, 
Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night they will come to slay thee. And I said, oh my God. Oh my God. Don't, don't, don't say that preacher. The, 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 the government council don't like you talking about that homosexuality thing. And, and, and don't, don't talk about tithing and defend people. Just, just don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Stroke the cat just right. And he says, I love this. This is one of the lines for the ages. Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his own life? I will not go in. Should such a man as I flee? This is called the spirit of faith. Some people teach faith, but they don't have the spirit of faith. There's very few people today that have the spirit of faith. Dr. Dufresne, Dad Sumrall, Dad Hagen, Dad Smigglesworth, pastor said his new name is Smigglesworth, is they had the spirit of faith. I don't just want to teach faith. I want the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is a sound. The spirit of faith is an attitude. The spirit of faith is a thud. It's not a whimper. Ever take a big can and you hit it when there's not much in it? It's got a light ping. You take a can that's full, it's got a, dark, a deep thud. When you're full, there's a thud to you. Dr. Sumrall, when he grunted, it wasn't just a grunt. There was a, there was a depth to his grunt. <laughs> it's a devil. Today we got to meditate on the generals that had the spirit of faith because I'm telling you, fear is trying to rob us of the spirit of faith. And if you look at Zerubbabel, he said, who art thou? Oh, mountain before. It sounds so arrogant. But when you know who you are in Christ, people will accuse you of arrogance. But it's not arrogance, it's dominion. Who art thou, oh, great mountain? Listen, didn't say before the Lord. Before Zerubbabel. Who are you? Before me. Do you know who I am? You shall become a plain. And I'll bring forth a headstone with shouts of grace. I'll shout the power of God in your direction and you'll fall. Zerubbabel didn't cower. He said, who do you think you are, mountain? This guy says, should a man such as I flee? Do you know who you're dealing with? Goliath, big nine and a half foot scary monster. If you study it, he threatened David. If you study it, David threatened him and the whole army. David, they say between 16 and 19. Just a kid. Just a kid. But a kid with God. And the kid with God threatened the monster. He bought four stones because of his four brothers in case they wanted a blood feud. And then he says, and by the way, I take all of y'all. See, the spirit of faith. Listen to me. I'm trying to help you. The spirit of faith doesn't see numbers. The spirit of faith doesn't see how many people in your church, those kind of numbers. The spirit of faith sees an outpouring. The spirit of faith also doesn't see the numbers of your enemies. The spirit of faith doesn't recognize that, not impressed with an army, not impressed with a giant. The spirit of faith looks at covenant and says, you're nothing but uncircumcised. I'm, the spirit of faith is different. The spirit of faith is different. David had that spirit of faith. Uh, uh, Zerubbabel had that. Nehemiah had that. Shaq, Rack, and Benny. If you ever watch Veggie Tales, you know their real names are Rack, Shaq, and Benny. Forget about the other names. I love it, Pastor Edwin. He said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. There's no thought to be given to the answer to that question. If 
you throw us in, God will deliver us. And if you don't throw us in, we ain't bowing anyway. Oh my God. My God. That is the, that is the spirit of faith on Red Bull. I'm telling you, that is, that is the spirit of faith on steroids. You are facing fire. <laughs> Mostly, but, well, let's talk about it. There is no thought to be given to the answer to that question. I can answer you real quick. I don't even have to think about the answer. If you try to kill me, God will deliver me. And if you change your mind, I'm not bowing anyway. So take that and smoke it. Now that's not in the Bible, but that's what I believe. That's what I believe that they probably were saying. I mean, that's spirit of faith, man. I'm telling you. That's the gift of faith. Because when you're about to be thrown in, that's the gift of faith on you. And when John boiled going out of that boiling oil, that's the gift of faith on him. They couldn't even cook him. I'm telling you, Pastor Ricky. Oh my God. The spirit of faith will do something so astonishing in your life that it will shock you. And my favorite. Oh, you know, all these people with their false teeth, you know, they get old, get dementia, can't remember. Now, I'm not knocking, I'm just saying that's not the highest flow. And here's Caleb. Here's Caleb. You know, like the old man in that little cartoon I was watching with my kids up, you know, with the balloon and the house and everything. You know, he's got his cane with the four tennis balls on the bottom of his cane. And his little teeth, he puts his teeth in. And he's going like this. And, and, and Brother Caleb don't look like that. Brother Caleb's 85 years old. Brother Caleb's got bright eyes. And he don't need no spectacles. Not that they had him anyway, but he don't need them. Brother Caleb's got white flowing hair. Brother Hale is the oldest man in the nation by far. Because everybody 20 and older is dead. We got a bunch of young people and they're looking at the legend. And Brother Caleb, I can just see him. He comes with his staff and his hair. You know, in the movies, they got the fans and the hairs going. I'm telling you, he, the breeze is just right. And he's looking and he sees that. He I've been in Hebron. There's many mountains in Hebron, but they're all uphill. And he sees the nine foot giants in the Hebron stronghold. And he's 85. And he's looking uphill militarily is very difficult. Uphill. And they're giants. And he's 85. And he had given five years of seed to the other, other tribes. He didn't get greedy. He sowed, 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 sowed. And then at the end of the five year conquest, Joshua says, it's your turn. And the 85-year-old legend, he's not on pills. He don't have no false teeth. He don't have no cane. He's 85 and he says, God has kept me these 45 years. My God is, why? Because God was going to use him because he was important. He was important. And I'm important and you're important. And take the vitamins, because I do. But it's not the vitamins that are going to keep me. It's the, it's I have been kept because I am called for such a time. And I'm in the plan. Have a seat. My God, you're scaring me. Just have a And at 85, he looks up the mountain. And he says the iconic phrase. Give me the mountain. Oh, my God. Ricky, oh, my God. And here people today are, well, I don't really know about that. What if the monkey pox gets me and let me wear my mask? Please. Oh, Jesus, help us. 
It's not the kind of churches God's looking for. Give me the mountain. And he charges. 85. He char- Can't you picture him with the white hair? And he's running up a mountain. And the nine foot beast comes out. And he slays him. And he slays him. And he takes the city. And he says, my God has kept me. Because I'm important to my God. That, my brother, is the spirit of faith. Where has it gone? Now we see the preachers on the television trying to impress the host. I won't say who, but they're trying to impress the host. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? They can't give a straight answer. Is homosexuality wrong? They can't give a straight answer. But when Dr. Sumrall was on the television, I watched it the other day. I watched the guy interview him. People say that, you know, that you go around casting out devils. Well, do I have a devil? Dr. Samuel said, I don't know, ask your wife. You can, re- you can watch it. Dr. Sumrall had absolutely no filter. He had no fear. He was, he was a Caleb in our generation. But I want you to know that Dr. Sumrall ain't here anymore. And Dr. Dufresne got that spirit from Dr. Sumrall. And Dr. Sumrall got it from Dad Wigglesworth. Do you know who you are? You have a heritage of the spirit of faith. The fact that you are under this woman and Dr. Dufresne means that there's something from Wigglesworth in me. There's something that rises up within me. It's called the spirit of faith. And that's why I can't take these namby-pamby, wimpy preachers because that's not who God is looking for in this day. Where is the Caleb? Where is the Zeb? The, the what's his name? Zerubbabel. Where is the Rakshak and Benny? They're here, right here. You see this? They're right here. They're right there in Nigeria. They're right there. They're right there. That's the Caleb right there. Because it's going to take that spirit to take Nigeria. It's not going to take some little, please everybody. It's going to take that spirit of David. There is fear that's trying to get us. But the spirit of faith will overcome that fear. Now there's one more point. Oh my God, it's 5 to 11. Help us, Jesus. But I, but I got to, because pastor said not to bore you. And so to obey my, my pastor, I have to just read you a couple more verses. In chapter 4, which, there's a spirit of fear and there's a spirit of faith. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now watch with me here, because this is a really important point. If you look, please, in, in chapter 4, there's another fear attack that comes. In chapter 4. I'm not going to read it for all of it for sake of time, but it's from verse 7 to 21. And basically, the, these people... Are, are, are threatening them and we're going to come up in the middle of you at night and kill you. You're not going to know when we're coming because we're just going to show up. And the people are afraid. And so he says, listen, you're doing the work with the trial, but hold the sword. And the people held the trial and the sword. You see, there's a natural and there's a spiritual. Watch in the spirit, but also do the natural work of the ministry. Build the wall, but protect your brothers and sisters. And I want you to see here, because this is a very important, a very important thing, concept here. Look at verse 14. There's fear like a stench that's coming through the ranks. The devil wants to make people afraid. He hates the Caleb spirit of faith. Notice God said, this man, he's got another spirit. Numbers 14. He's going to go, he's going to graduate. Rest of them, no. 
God is looking in this end day for people with that spirit of faith because we're important to the plan. And we see in verse 14, I looked and rose up. This is when the fear is coming. People are afraid. And he said unto the nobles, I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. <laughs> Watch. And fight. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your houses. In that age, they were physically fighting. But in our dispensation, it is the good fight of faith. What this means is release your faith. Trust God in the midst of a perverse generation. Trust him. Are you with it? That's the answer when there's fear. Fight. In other words, release your faith. Now watch this now. There's, there's a condition. Listen, you want God to show up. You got to do two things for God to show up. So go down there in verse 19. And it says, and he said unto the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great. Remember he said the work I'm doing is great. Your, your churches are, the work you're doing is great. The work is great and large. And we are separated, however, on the wall. One far. Are you listening? One far from another. That's just like us. You're in Texas. And you're in Kentucky. And you're in Iowa. And I'm in Toronto. And you're across the ocean. And you're in Oklahoma, and you're in Florida, and you, all these, we're all separated. But the work is great. But we're all doing our part. Now watch the instruction, okay? One far from another. But in what place thereof you hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort thither unto us, for our God shall fight for us. He says, you fight, and God will fight. Notice you don't invert that. You release your faith and God will manifest what you're believing for and he'll show up on your behalf. But I want you to know something that everybody seems to miss. It wasn't just release your faith and God will manifest it. There's something in the middle. Release your faith and stay close to me. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. When I call, come. Did you notice the condition of God manifesting and fighting for them was they had to be around their Nehemiah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They had to be around their Nehemiah. They had to be close to where God, the, 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 divine, the divine impartation, the divine association, the, the divine order in their life, they had to be close to it. He recognized you're all doing your work. But when I call, come. Now here's a bunny trail. He said, the one blowing the trumpet was beside me. You can read that previous verse. He said, the one that blew the trumpet, the one that did the call. And the Lord said to me, Craig, make sure every one of your staff know how to call. Don't surround yourself with people that don't know how to call. Because Nehemiah put people beside him that knew how to blow the trumpet. In other words, the blowing of the trumpet is the call. Calling for those people to come. Calling for what God wants for this era. Calling for things. And notice he didn't surround himself with their own agenda. The person beside him didn't have his own timing and his own agenda and think, well, I know better than the old man. And that's what a lot of pastors do with their biological sons. They want the sons to be around them instead of callers. And not every son, not every natural son has the same vision in his heart that the daddy had. And they've got their own agenda and their own timetable. And when the daddy says call, they don't. 
And their ministry gets off and they become secret sensitive. But no, 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 not us, not us, not us. We're going to surround ourselves with spiritual sons and with staff that know how to blow the trumpet, that will blow what we say. They'll call what we say. The vision in our heart, they'll call. The timings in our heart, they'll call. Notice he surrounded himself with callers. He didn't surround himself with lackeys and yes men. He surrounded himself with people that knew how to call. That's a symbolic value for us. And then he calls them. Now listen, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that the, 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 the Nehemiah calls. Busy, busy, busy. The Lord said, listen, people don't, maybe don't like this, but I'll just be honest with you. The Lord said to me some time ago, he said, when you know that Nehemiah is calling, she even tells us in advance. How kind. She didn't have to do that. She could call us last week and say, I'm calling come and it's my job to cancel let the listen if they die they're still dead you can bury them when you get home they're getting married they can wait or give it to somebody else Lord said to me he said don't ever plan projects when your Nehemiah calls don't plan things at your home don't plan things in your ministry if people invite you to preach which they do cancel them nobody likes this preaching but this is what's needed because nobody, everybody seems to want what God wants to manifest, but they don't either want to release their faith or they don't want to be around their Nehemiah. The condition was when I call, you come. When you come, God's going to show up. You don't come, you're going to miss what God's doing. You want to stay on your part of the wall? That's fine, but you're going to miss what God's doing because he's going to manifest and fight for us when you show up. This is a very important point. I'm not saying everybody is submitted to her. I am, some are, other people have different spiritual fathers and mothers. That's not the issue. The issue is whoever God has connected you with, whoever is your Nehemiah, when they call, show up. Don't plan other events, other ministry events, because you're missing the point. You've got to be there to get something from their office. You've got to show up for God to fight and manifest. And they don't always like to do that. Lord even said to me, he said, we care. I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm not, you may think I'm crazy. Lord said, don't do strenuous activities the weeks leading up to camp meeting and Holy Ghost meetings. Because if you, you can be foolish and hurt yourself. Pull your back, stretch your neck. Don't be careful what you're participating in because the enemy is looking for any opportunity to get you not to come to the call. Another time he said to me, be at guard your relationship with your wife. Extra the weeks leading up to these meetings because the enemy will try to cause rowing and fighting and disunity and strife. Tell the staff, don't be careful. In other words, protect, sense what's vital and protect it. I know you look at me today and you say this could not have happened. But back in the day, I was half the man I was. And I was scouted for the Olympic team. Did you know that? (laughs) See, the pastors are going, oh no, he wasn't. But I was scouted for the Olympic team for badminton. I just, it just clicked for me. I was one of the best players in Canada when I was 19. And my coach, I was being scouted for the Olympic team. And my coach said to me on that year, it was a really important year. And he said, now listen, I know we're having the track meet, you know, where they do the running and the high jump and all the stuff. He said, I know you're participating in all these events, but you need to, you need to understand that something really big is about to happen. Yeah. Protect yourself. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
don't, don't engage in all, don't, don't sign up for all this stuff. I'm fine. I'm the fittest moment. Of, I got 5% body fat. I was very proud of that back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting back there. I'll be fine. And so I did the long jump. And, I, and, and I, I was flying through the air like an eagle. When I hit that sand, I heard a pop in my right knee. And I, and I ruined it. I was in a cast. And I missed that Olympic opportunity. Because I got involved in lesser events instead of what I was supposed to focus on and so many people they'll plan all these things and they don't realize the Olympic event calls for you and people's got to look at it that way pastor and say doesn't ask me said they probably doesn't even want me to say that. but I'm telling you you've got to recognize your Nehemiah did you notice that when the Nehemiah called the people he taught them faith he taught them he said you fight when we're around here, what does she do? She teaches us. There's a, she has the spirit of faith. That is imparted to us when we're around her. When you come to these meetings and you're around this environment and this flow, that spirit of faith is imparted. The teaching of faith comes. And because you're here and you answered the call, there is a manifesting of God and he will start to fight for us. I'll end with this. The Dr. Dufresne always said, and I've heard Pastor Noel say it so many times, there is something called the law. The law of impartation. He would say you can't get to the phases of ministry without the spiritual father imparting to you. One of the reasons I'm convinced of it, I don't care what anybody says, they're simply wrong and I'm simply right. <laughs> I don't care if you th- what you think about that, you're wrong. I'm right. Because I, I, just, I just know I'm right. One of the reasons that I'm progressing is because I come when the Nehemiah calls. I don't let things distract me. I don't go down to the valley of Ono. I don't worry about the money. Dr. Dufresne sold his house to get to where the divine Nehemiah's call was. Don't talk to me about money. Don't talk to me about money. Inconvenience, busy schedules. There's a reason why we progress through the phases of our ministry because we are around the law of impartation. You've got to be around it in order to get it. You cannot watch it on live stream. Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you, not you see me. I long to see you that I may impart a gift to the end that you may be established. Now, you know that word established, the Lord's going to look that up. And that word means to be set fast in modern vernacular like in cement. So that when winds come, we are immovable. When I come here, my faith is strengthened. My doctrine is strengthened. So when I go back, I'm not swayed by winds of doctrine. But you know what else it means? It is amazing. It means that word established in the Greek means to turn resolutely in one direction. To turn. To turn. That means when I come here, God's going to highlight things in my life to turn away from. And God's going to highlight things in my life to turn toward. And there's going to be some turnings going on. Some tweakings and adjustments going on. Because I'm around that voice that is graced for my life. And when I have those turnings, there'll be a resoluteness to be in the direction that God wants me to go. And that cannot happen watching live streams. It's a blessing. Thank God for it. We're all for it. But there's something that you'll never get unless you're there. Because that impartation, it's a law. Jesus went to his man of God. You know, I'm saying it in quotes. Because John was who God was using. And Jesus said, I have to do this. Don't, I'm not even worthy to unlatch you. I have to do this. For righteous, it's right that I do this. Now watch what happened. As soon as he submitted to that anointing. 
and John laid hands on him. That law of impartation. And he goes under the water and he comes up. I want you to notice three things immediately happened. One, God spoke. Two, a fresh anointing came. And three, the Holy Ghost led him. You look at it. Soon as he submitted to that, to that, this is Jesus. And Jesus said, it's right. If I submit, every one of my sons have to submit. Well, you have to find your Nehemiah and you have to show up when they call. Because when you do that, what happens? A voice comes. See, God spoke from heaven. God will speak every time I come to these meetings, he speaks to me. Every time. That, that dove came down, that fresh anointing. Every time I'm around her, a fresh anointing comes. And what else? The spirit drove him into the wilderness. The next phase of my ministry, the next step that I have to do, God always, when I'm around this atmosphere, he guides me into that next step. I hear him, I get fresh anointings, and I have the leading of the spirit. I have turnings and tweakings, and he corrects me. And he deals with my motives, and he deals with my flesh. And he teaches me. These, these meetings are so much more than just being faithful. It is the law of impartation to get us into the next phase of what God's asked us to do. And people that don't get it, they just don't seem to get there. They don't. I've watched people that I grew up with from Bible school 20 years ago, and they're still in the same malaise they were then. And I'm looking and saying, what is wrong with you? And then I realize, oh, they don't have a Nehemiah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There you go. They don't have a Nehemiah. They, they, they haven't heard a call because that has to be sharpened. You can't just sharpen yourself. Your brother, your pastor, Pastor Nancy, got to sharpen us. We got to make turns and tweaks and adjustments because we are important to the last day move of God. And I end by reminding you how important you are. God is endeavoring to do something in your city and in your region. And he's looking for churches that are not going to turn away from the moving of his spirit and from sound doctrine. And there is fear that is trying to stop us. And we must be the Caleb's of our generation. Should a man such as I flee. We must release our faith and then draw close. And God is going to manifest through us exactly what he said. He said to me, there's going to be a revival in Toronto. He didn't tell me how many churches are going to be involved, but I can guarantee you that we're going to be involved. I'm probably not the only church because I'm not proud, but we're going to be right in the middle of that revival. And God is going to do exactly what William Branham prophesied. He's going to do exactly what Swigglesworth prophesied to Dr. Sumrall. I've got that same DNA in me. We should look different. We should sound different. If you're not offending people, I don't mean intentionally, but if that spirit of faith it offends people, it does. None of the pastors in my city like me. And it's not because I'm mean, but it's because there's something in me that is, where is that? Where, where is Dr. Sumrall anymore? Where is he? He's not here. He's gone. I am left. Sorry, Dr. Sumrall. This is all you got. But look, but, but look, you got this guy and in his city and you got this guy in his city and all of us in our cities, we're supposed to carry something and others may not like it, but forget them. We are going to hold it. We're going to stay with our Nehemiah and God is going to pour out of his spirit and we will be vindicated. We will. I'm telling you, I heard God in that room last night. He said, tell them how important they are to me. I need them in their city. Tell them not to be afraid. Tell them to have that spirit of faith. Tell them, tell them to stay close to their Nehemiah. And I will surely come. He will, he will come. Father, I thank you that we are valuable to the plan of God. 
that you didn't raise us up by coincidence, that's not by chance or luck, that this was planned before the foundation of the earth, that you put us on this earth, you put us with Pastor Nancy, you put us with this heritage of great faith. You put us there because you're looking for churches to pour out of your spirit. You're looking, you're gathering your own together and preparing them for the time is short. You know not everyone will be ready, Jesus, but you're saying, I want you to be ready. I want your church to be ready. I'm gonna pour my spirit out in your church. My glory is gonna come in your church. So you can't be afraid. And you've gotta stay close when I give the call, show up. Because great things are about to happen and you're in a season of preparation. I'm gathering my own together and preparing them for the time is short. Jesus, we hear what you're saying. We hear that we are valuable to the plan in our cities, that you are looking for churches ready for the glory. We are getting ready for that outpouring. We've got to fight fear and have the spirit of faith. We've got to fight false doctrine and have the flow of the Holy Ghost and the word of God in our churches. We've got to hold that standard of doctrine high. And we've got to be around when Nehemiah calls, we must be there. And then we'll see that impartation work into us and we'll have that law work and we'll see those phases of ministry come to pass. And you are on a great preparation journey, Father, because the day is coming where the glory is coming. It is coming to our cities. It will come before Jesus returns. It is coming to our cities. It is coming to our churches. My church will see the glory. Their churches will see the glory of God and miracles that we've never seen before greater than the book of Acts. We will experience it with our own eyes. But we must fight fear and we must stay close. We must stay in faith and we must stay close to our Nehemiah. So I thank you, Father. Lord, through feeble, simple lips, I've endeavored to try to communicate what you spoke to me last night. I thank you for hearts that open now, that they've received the word of God. Let it strengthen and encourage them. When they leave and it's dark and they're alone and they, and they feel the pressure, let them remember how valuable they are in their city. Let them remember no matter what size their church is, that they are called to be a glory center for you in their city. And when Nehemiah calls, Father, let them come. Let them be established that we would fulfill the plan of God. We give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' precious, mighty name we pray. And everybody said, thank you, Pastor, for the great privilege. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.